Hi there, I'm Chris Duckworth, and thank you for tuning in to the Sermons in Progress edition of the Connections Podcast, a digital ministry of New Joy Lutheran Church. It's been a while since I've recorded one of these podcasts. It's been since preparation for Easter Sunday back in April. I'm glad to be back with you, sharing with you initial thoughts on God's Word for this coming Sunday and extending our congregation's ministry into your homes or cars or wherever you tune in, especially if you're unable to join us on Sunday morning. This coming Sunday, we're in our second week of a four-week series in the book of Ruth. Ruth is only four chapters long, and so we have a four-week series reading the entire book together. Last week, we read from Ruth chapter 1, the beginning of the story where Naomi... Her husband and two sons leave Bethlehem to travel east to Moab because of a famine. They're unable, they were unable to keep their life together in Bethlehem, unable to raise crops, unable to feed themselves, unable to trade. Basically, it became economically unviable. So they became refugees and they fled Bethlehem and headed across the River Jordan into a foreign land called Moab. There they settled and made a life, but Naomi's husband died, as well as the men, her two, I'm sorry, as well as her two sons, they also died. And so she returns to Bethlehem, but one of her daughters-in-law returns with her, and her name is Ruth. And so we are today going to be then continuing the story with Ruth chapter 2. A reading from Ruth. Now Naomi had a respected relative, a man of worth, through her husband from the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field so that I may glean among the ears of grain behind someone in whose eyes I might find favor. Naomi replied to her, Go, my daughter. So she went. She arrived and she gleaned in the field behind the harvesters. By chance, it happened to be the portion of the field that belonged to Boaz, who was from the family of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and he said to his harvesters, May the Lord be with you. And they said to him, May the Lord bless you. Boaz said to his young man, the one who was overseeing the harvesters, To whom does this young woman belong? The young man who was overseeing the harvesters answered, She's a young Moabite woman, the one who returned with Naomi from the territory of Moab. She said, Please let me glean, so that I might gather up grain from among the bundles behind the harvesters. She arrived and has been on her feet from morning until now, and has sat down only for a moment. Boaz said to Ruth, Haven't you understood, my daughter? Don't go glean in another field. Don't go anywhere else. Instead, stay here with my young women. Keep your eyes in the field that they are harvesting, and go along after them. I've ordered the young men not to assault you. Whenever you are thirsty, go to the jugs and drink from what the young men have filled. 
Then she bowed down, face to the ground, and replied to him, How is it that I found favor in your eyes that you notice me? I'm an immigrant. Boaz responded to her, Everything that you did for your mother-in-law after your husband's death has been reported fully to me, how you left behind your father, your mother, and the land of your birth, and came to a people you hadn't known beforehand. May the Lord reward you for your deed. May you receive a rich reward from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you've come to seek refuge. She said, May I continue to find favor in your eyes, sir, because you've comforted me, and because you've spoken kindly to your female servant, even though I'm not one of your female servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, eat some of the bread, and dip your piece in the vinegar. She sat alongside the harvesters, and she served roast, and he served roasted grain to her. She ate, was satisfied, and had leftovers. Then she got up to glean. Boaz ordered his young men, Let her glean between the bundles, and don't humiliate her. Also pull out some from the bales for her, and leave them behind for her to glean, and don't scold her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed what she had gleaned. It was about an ephah of barley. She picked it up and went into town. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She brought out what she had left over after eating her fill and gave it to her. Her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? Where did you work? May the one who noticed you be blessed. Ruth told her mother-in-law, with whom she had worked. And she said, The name of the man with whom I work today is Boaz. Naomi replied to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, who hasn't abandoned his faithfulness with the living or with the dead. Naomi said to her, That man is one of our close relatives. He's one of our redeemers. Ruth the Moabite replied, Furthermore, he said to me, Stay with my workers until they've finished all of my harvest. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It's good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, so that men don't assault you in another field. Thus she stayed with Boaz's young women, gleaning until the completion of the barley and wheat harvests. And she lived with her mother-in-law. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So a rich story, Ruth the Moabite, Ruth the immigrant, Ruth the widowed daughter-in-law of Naomi. She follows Naomi to Naomi's hometown, but a place that is foreign to her. One thing that jumps out at me about today's reading is how vulnerable a position Ruth is in. In verse 9, Boaz says to Ruth, I've ordered the young men not to assault you. Why does he need to order this? Well, because obviously she would have been at risk of assault. They may have likely assaulted her if he didn't command them not to. Such was simply the vulnerability of a young woman, especially a young immigrant woman in a foreign land. But also later on, 
in verse 15 and 16, Boaz orders the young man, his young man who oversees the workers, to not humiliate her nor to scold her, but instead to leave some wheat out for her and to share their water source with her. Ruth certainly is fortunate, blessed, to have arrived and fallen under the care of Boaz. Because certainly there are risks for her. Now, ancient Jewish law did protect the immigrant. Ancient Jewish law protected the immigrant and the poor and the widow. One such example of this is from Leviticus chapter 23, which says, When you harvest your land's produce, you must not harvest all the way to the edge of your field. And do not gather every remaining bit of your harvest. Leave these items for the poor and the immigrant. I am the Lord your God. This kind of charity, this kind of intentionally not getting everything you can out of your own harvest, but instead intentionally leaving it for the poor, for the immigrant, for those who don't have means of their own, was law. And Boaz here faithfully follows this law. He follows this law and then even enhances it in his own practice, not only leaving some behind, but ordering his men to pull some wheat, pull some of the grain out from the bales and leave them behind for Ruth. So he goes out of his way to follow and exceed the expectations of the law in caring for Ruth. Now, there's another mention in here which I want to highlight. Naomi says to Ruth that this man is one of our close relatives. He's one of our redeemers. That's in verse 20. Other translations use the phrase that he is one of our next of kin. In ancient Jewish law, it was the responsibility of next of kin, of the male next of kin, to quote-unquote redeem or to take into their care the family and the property of a male next of kin who dies. So when she says that he is one of our redeemers, she's saying he's our next of kin or one of our kin who is responsible for us. And that is a reason for hope. Hope. Ruth demonstrates quite a bit of hope. She goes out in the morning and she scrounges what she can from the edges of the fields. And in so doing, puts herself in relationship with Boaz, who himself extends even more care and provides for her even more generously than she could have imagined at first. Ruth is an example of hope in the midst of difficult situations. She's an immigrant, she's vulnerable, she's a widow. And yet she, she plows on, trusting and confident and expecting that what she sees now is not all that there is. Having her eyes to the horizon and even slightly above it. Now I'm reading into the text a little bit. 
the story itself doesn't actually tell us the inner monologue of Ruth. But I'm imagining that she has a hope. She has an expectation. She has a faith that things are going to get better. And that buoys her. That motivates her to go out and to work and gather what she can. Humble, lowering herself to the ground, asking if she can just glean at the edges. Go behind the workers. And being blessed, even in picking up the crumbs that fall from the master's table. To quote the words of another immigrant woman, another foreign woman in Israel, this time the Canaanite woman, who speaks to Jesus in Matthew 15. So in today's story we have gleaning, we have hope, we have care, we have the fulfillment of God's promises and a man who follows God's law faithfully in caring for a woman in need in his midst. Let us give thanks to God for Ruth's hope. Let us give thanks to God for Boaz's faithfulness to God's law. Not just to the minimum of the law, but even exceeding the expectations of the law. May we find in them examples of hope and of faithfulness that we can strive to in our own lives. Amen. So I just got back from a week in Chicago where I spent some time with other chaplains in the military. I learned this week that there are 150 military chaplains in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. It's actually not too many. We have probably around 10,000 plus clergy, not all of whom are active. Of course, some are retired. But only 100, and we have like 9,000-ish congregations. But only 150 chaplains. And of those two-thirds, 100 our, are on the reserve or National Guard side. So there's a hundred congregations like ours, maybe even a fewer, because some of those National Guard chaplains work full-time, but in the National Guard capacity. So there's probably less than a hundred congregations like ours. We're in a very unique position. I want to thank you for being one of those unique congregations that dares to call a pastor, me, who also serves in military chaplaincy. It's a unique calling that you have to share this ministry and this responsibility for proclaiming God's word and offering our Lord's comfort and care to our soldiers. So thank you. I learned a lot this week, so thank you for blessing me to go to this conference, and I'll be uh, looking forward to sharing more insight from this conference uh, with you over the next few weeks. At this time, I'd like to turn to a brief time of prayer uh, before uh, concluding this podcast. We pray for the church and the world and all who are in need. Let us pray. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for your church in all times and all places. For everyone who, through word and deed, proclaims your love shares your light in the darkness, offers your hope in the midst of despair. Bless especially the work of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, our presiding bishop, Elizabeth Eaton, 
our Bishop of the Indiana-Kentucky Synod, Bill Guffian, all the pastors and leaders of the church, our 150 military chaplains, and all who work faithfully to proclaim the gospel. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We ask your blessings upon new joy as we continue to have our eyes above the horizon, looking to see what's next, seeking to follow faithfully where you call us, O Lord. So bless us, bless our board, especially Tony, our president, and Alexa, our vice president. Bless our efforts to reach out to the community in love and grace. May your word be known in our community and beyond. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for all who are sick or struggling in any way. Bring health where there is sickness. Bring comfort where there is worry. Bring community where there is isolation. Send your spirit, O God, upon all who are struggling and sick in any way. Bless them and renew them. Make them whole in you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And for peace on the earth, we pray, O Lord. For efforts of reconciliation in the Koreas, we give you thanks. For, for peace in war-torn corners of the world, we beg. Turn swords into plowshares, O Lord. Tanks into food trucks. And make of this kingdom an image of your kingdom to come. Where all are fed and filled with good things. Where all live not in fear of death and bombs and violence, but in the joy of your presence. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For these and all things, O Lord, we ask your blessings. We ask your grace. We ask your mercy. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in to this podcast after a three-month hiatus. God bless you. May you know God's love and grace for you this day. We hope to see you at New Joy Lutheran Church at the corner of 156 in Spring Mill. But until we see each other again, may you know God's blessings in your life, this day and always, in Jesus' name. Amen.